Father, we're so excited just to be here today. And Lord, we just thank you so much for our time. Thank you so much for our, our worship team. God, thank you so much for TC and Danielle for leading us today. God, I just pray a special blessing over each person who's watching today. And I pray that as we open up your word, God, you would speak to us in just a fresh and powerful way. Lord, we invite you to do something special in us today. God, we also invite you to send us today. Uh, God, you are so good to us, and we love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for being with us today, guys. I'm excited to be back. Uh, I want to give a special shout out to one of my best friends in all of the world, Andrew Osakwe, who was leading at North Star last month. And then this week, uh, or this past week, um, my, my dear friend Scott Cagle stepping in. Scott, you the man. Uh, I want to give you all a heads up. We're actually going to be back at North Star August 23rd. It's not going to be the last week of this month, but it's going to be the week before last. And uh, we're going to be back, ready to go. I'm excited for that day, and we're going to start a new series on that day. So be there, be prepared, grab a neighbor, grab a friend, grab the family. Whole life group, we'll see y'all there in the party. We'll get started. Hey, last week, uh, Scott talked about divine detours. He talked about those detours in life that God takes you on. You don't know always when they're coming or how they come, but uh, God leads you in a way you never expected, and it's amazing in the end. You didn't know how you got there, but God leads you down that road. Me and my family just went to the beach, and I experienced detours. Uh, if you understand driving with this young family to the beach, we don't even go to Florida. We went to part of South Carolina because I don't know that we can handle three kids going all the way down to Florida, you know? But all along the way, I noticed there was detour signs. You know what I'm saying? Like, stop here, go here, do this, buy this, stop at this exit. Something's coming up. It's going to be wonderful. All these different opportunities to stop along the way. As I'm driving, I'm quite uh, in my head when I drive. And I had so many thoughts. And I'm like, well, how amazing is it? that we fill a car up with a liquid and small explosions are taking place and it's taking us where we need to go. And God, I, I just believe I just got a, a unique thought, but what fills you fuels you. And I also had a thought as I'm filled up and moving down this road, if I stop at each one of these detours, would I actually get to where I needed to be? Or where, would I get to that destination that I had set out to get to? Would I have experienced the fullness of what the beach really was had I stopped at every single thing that was calling my name? Maybe you understand where I'm going with this, but today we're going to talk about detour decisions. In life, God might take you on detours on occasion, but sometimes a detour is a decision. Sometimes we decide to step off the road and go a different way, if you know what I mean. Been there, done that. So today we're going to talk about detour decisions. How do you decide when to stop? Where do we go? How do we know? Let's talk about that today. Psalm 119 says this in verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's my Siri. In verse 11 of 119 says that I've hidden the word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That means that I might not go left or right, but I might stay straight on your road that you have illuminated for me. In that same chapter, verse 93, the psalmist writes, by your precepts, you have given me 
life. We know these verses. A lot of us know them. But how easy is it to believe otherwise? That the word is this lamp to my feet, a light to my path. And I've hidden the words so that I don't go left or right, but I stay right on the path. And that path is really actually life to my soul. And the word, it points to this person, Jesus, and he has loved me so. But then Jesus invites us to come follow him. It is life to my soul. But how easy is it to believe otherwise? A husband might think that he can be critical and demanding of his wife and expect his marriage to actually get better. Or maybe you think that you can spend more money than you earned and it's all going to be okay. Or, or, or maybe uh, you can commit yourself to lust and it's not going to hurt your heart. Or maybe you've, you've been here before. Maybe you understand what I'm actually talking about. If so, you had to tell yourself, it's going to be different for me this time. You ever been there? I just want you to know that I have. I know the word. And on occasion, I go, I, I know that to be true. I know it here. But, oh, I don't want to believe it. I actually believe if I do this, I'm going to get the result that I actually want. And if you've lived any amount of life, you understand that it, when, when you make those decisions, it, it might feel good immediately. But down the long run, down the long road, it's not always the best decision. It's a detour. Now, would I be standing here without my detours? I don't know. I don't think so. Because the king is super faithful, even inside of my misses, to redeem them and bring me around. Maybe a long, long road, but I become a, a different person along the way. And he uses all of these things. So there is hope in, inside of all of this. But, but if you've been there, you understand. I understand maybe where you are, if, if that's where you are today. But we step into uh, our series with Acts. We'll go back in Acts. And with all that in mind, there's a couple in Acts chapter 5 that I believe takes a detour. So remember, we've been reading through Acts, and if you're joining with us, welcome. If you're new to this, welcome. We're going to be in Acts chapter 5. If you've got your Bibles, you've got your phone, pull it out. Acts chapter 5 is this unique story about a couple who takes a detour. But before Acts, in Acts 1 through 4, you get this mind-blowing experience of the Holy Spirit moving among the early church, the earliest church. And Acts, the book of Acts, is really Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's everything that the Holy Spirit does. And all that the Holy Spirit is doing is incredible. It's mind-blowing. It says that people are actually confused at what they see. They've never seen anything like this. The Spirit of the living God coming upon people and causing them to move and do and see miraculous things happening. You would think if you saw something like that, I mean, I'm never going back to my old way of life. I'm never turning a different direction. I'm not going left or right. This is incredible. But you get to Acts chapter 5. Right after it says that the church was in one heart and one mind. They were all in unity, in love with the person of Jesus. And he was showing himself through his power of his spirit. Then you get to Acts chapter 5. And there's a, there's a, there's a couple and they've just devised a plan. You see, during this time of the church, people were selling everything they had, and they were giving to everyone as had need. But in chapter 5, a couple decides, hey, 
let's pretend that we're giving all that we have, but let's keep some of it for ourselves. They devised this plan together so that they actually get some notoriety in the church. You see, the people who were giving their stuff away were being considered really, really special people. They wanted to be considered special, but they wanted to keep their stuff. Check it out. Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 3. After they made this decision, Peter looks at them. After they bring the, uh, the money to Peter and they say, here's all that we've got from what we've sold. Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money that you received of the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not lied just to human beings, but to God. You haven't lied to humans, but you've lied to God. This is so important to note that all before you see the Holy Spirit moving and the church is on fire and people are selling all that they have, in the midst of God's power moving, you actually have a real enemy power moving as well. We don't hear a lot about this. It almost sounds hokey, but there's a, there, the Bible really references that there's a spiritual battle that's going on all around us at all times. So in the midst of the power of God moving mightily, Peter recognizes that this self-centered thing, this self-centered move is actually Satan himself. Why have you let Satan fill your heart? At this moment, when he hears this, the scripture says that he falls down dead. It says that men walk in and carry him out. Can you imagine this? Right after, not shortly thereafter, they bury this man, and in comes his wife, Ananias, and Sapphira, Sapphira, sorry. Sapphira walks in, and he asks her nearly the same question. She responds from the devised plan that they had. Oh, yes, that's everything. And he says nearly the same thing, just in the same way that these men carried your husband, so they will carry you. And at that moment, she died as well. The severity of this, I mean, what kind of power is this? I'm not sure the entire process. I'm not, insure, I'm not even sure this entire encounter. It's super strange. I wish I had more information. I wish I heard uh, maybe even where it began. I wish the scripture laid it out for us. Like, where did it start where they were even tempted to think this would be a good idea? Where did they think in their mind, this is going to be different for me? Like, where did it start? I wish I knew. But I believe in the, in the book of James that it helps illuminate some of this story for us. And we can understand even a little bit more about the detour that many of us have taken or will be tempted to take just like Ananias and Sapphira. I believe this story in the Bible is important for the church today. I believe it's important for us to hear today. And I believe it's important. It's there for us to actually learn something from it so that we won't fall in the same pitfalls. Let's, let's press in a little bit. The book of James is one of the earliest books ever written to the church. And in chapter 3, verse 13 through 16, here's what it says. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, there it is again, do not boast 
and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and it's demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there you will find disorder and every vile practice. James identifies the issue. He identifies the issue for the earliest church in Jerusalem. The issue is a self-centeredness. And I've, I've said this about myself sometimes. Well, my ego just gets in the way sometimes. But the book of James talks about that ego or that self-centered nature actually being worldly, unspiritual, and demonic. Blames it on the power of darkness. This is a serious thing. And James talks about this issue. They, but the issue really that we, if we reference back to Ananias and Sapphira, they shift praise. You see, they shift the awe of God and they desire to receive the awe that God actually deserves. This is a great and tragic sin. And we got to understand from this book, sin actually takes us to the place of death. Have you ever done something? You ever taken a detour and you're so sure it's not going to happen to you, right? It's not going to have a bad result. It had a bad result for so-and-so, but not me. And you take that road and you experience something like death. It leads you into something that's so challenging. And that's what this book, I believe that's what this story is cautioning us today. That it's earthly, unspiritual. And I actually think it's a, a spirit of darkness that leads into this place. But James identifies two cautions in recognizing this death in, in us, in, in your life and in my life, because it's absolutely possible that we can actually fall or take detours. And he gives us two cautions to recognize. Do not do this if you recognize in your heart today that you have maybe gone off of all of him and I really desire to get all for myself. There's two cautions that he says. Boasting, don't boast. If you realize, he says, if you realize, verse, verse uh, 14, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, if, so if you recognize, then don't do this. Do not boast or be false to the truth. That's don't make yourself look more than you are. Don't hide from what is actually the more. Hey, but you and I wouldn't even never do that, right? Not you, not you. But you know somebody who probably does though, right? You know somebody who boasts a little bit and you know somebody who maybe hides a little bit. But that's surely never where you've been. That's never where I've been, uh, actually. But this is just a caution that the book of James gives us. Caution you. If you see this in yourself, don't do these two things. It only continues the process of choosing detour. But like Ananias and Sapphira, we have a choice. There is choices all along the road to stop, to go left, to go right. There is a choice. And we as a church have a choice. That's why I believe that this book is actually written for us, our church. It's a, it's a writing to the church. Our church has a choice. God is doing amazing things in our church, man. I mean, we have all ages. You have all different kind of demographics. You have all different kind of races. You have all these things coming together and praising Jesus. I got a group of, of guys that walk the street just to share Jesus. I mean, I, I, I know stories of people who are giving away their things. I know people's stories of, of going to neighbors' houses and, and sharing and loving and giving away in this season where 
There's a lot of fear gripping. I believe that I sit among a people, man, who's given their life away in a season where it's really scary to give your life away. And I just believe that's what they were experiencing in the book of Acts. But there is some caution because in the midst of all of that, there is a great tempter who comes and says, you could do it differently. You could be seen differently. You should make this about you. Jay, it's really you. You're a great leader. TC, you're a great leader. Jen, you're a great leader. Life group leader, you're leading so well. Look at you. But in all reality, had he not chosen us and loved us, we wouldn't be experiencing all of this flow. Thank you, Jesus. He's so good to us. But in the face of all of this, what do we do if we realize that we're on a detour? What do we do if we've actually detoured? What do you do today if you realize what I just said, I have taken all from him and I'm going, give all to me. Been there, done that, recognize. What do we do if we have taken a detour? But what do we do if we haven't? I want to talk to both of those really quick. What do we do either way? If you're on a detour, here's what I want to encourage you. Number one, would you get honest? Would you get honest? That's what James is inviting us into. He's saying, hey, if you recognize this, don't boast or brag or hide. He's actually saying, get honest. Just recognize. If that's where you are, would you just first recognize? And then fear doesn't have to fuel you because you're with people today who have been there as well. And you are not alone. I'm sharing this word with you today with a great... um, trembling because I have been there. And this is a word for me today, as it is the church today. Because I believe many times in my life I've taken detours and I've desired to have all. I've desired for you to all me. And in reality, there's an invitation. Would you just get honest for a second? Would you just go ahead and admit today, I've stepped away from awing you. And what what John chapter 6, when Jesus looks up and he says, he says, listen, I will not reject anyone who comes to me. What do you do when you get honest? Come to Jesus right now, right where you are. And just recognize, tell him, just tell him what you've done. And I believe that in Ananias and Sapphira's case, if Peter had looked at them and said, is this all the money? And Ananias would have stopped and he would have said, you know what? I've missed the mark, man. It's not. I believe grace would have been extended right there because that is the heart of God. And that's the heart of God for you today. And if you, if you think it's too late for you, you're, you're sitting here, so it's not too late for you. It's not too late for anyone. He, it says, whoever comes to me, I will not reject. That means he won't reject murderers. That means he won't reject you if you're cheating. That means he won't reject you no matter what, if you're a habitual gambler. He won't reject you if you left your kids. He won't reject you if you had an abortion. He won't reject you if you got divorced. He won't reject you if you've abandoned a child. He won't reject you if anything. If you would just come to Jesus today as you recognize. But most of us have the hardest time recognizing because we're afraid that we're the only one who's actually encountered this or taken a detour. I want you to know today, you're sitting in a room full of people who've taken detours before. You are not alone, my friend. And the time is not done for you. It's actually beginning now. And you're listening to this with a purpose. Would you actually come to Jesus? And I just believe right now, if you come to him, it will be like a weight that lifts from your soul. Would you just get honest for a second? Just get honest. 
and you go, but it feels bad. I'm scared. Absolutely, you're scared. And it feels so wrong to actually get honest. But the word is the lamp to our feet, a light to our path. And if you step on it, you will step into the flow of the Holy Spirit and you'll begin to experience him. Would you like the experience of God? Step into honesty today. It's available for you and everyone in the room with you. Step into being honest and watch what he does. After you've confessed to Jesus, maybe it's your first confession, but maybe it's not. And if you've been in the church any amount of time, James 5 actually invites us to have this culture about us. That means the rhythm of our life is actually this kind of way. Would you confess your sin one to another and then pray for one another and actually experience a physical healing of your soul and body? Some of us need healing today, and we've been in hiding for far too long. And if you're hiding, like James talks about, I promise I've been there and done that, and I know how tired you are. Can I tell you that? I know you're tired of keeping appearance. I know you're actually tired and you desire to step in, but you're really afraid of what everyone will say when they find out you're a fraud. I've seen both sides of the story, and I've seen people step into the light And I promise you, if you step into the light today and begin to walk this journey with the people around you, they will not reject you, but they will welcome you arms wide open in the same way that Jesus welcomes you today. The King of Heaven longs to have you back. Would you step into honesty if you're on a detour? Now, you say, great, Jay, that's for people who are on detours, but I'm not on a detour. I'm chugging along with the king and I'm moving right along to the beach and I haven't stopped at any detours or no signs. They don't got my attention. Then what does James actually speak to you? Did you miss it in verse 13? Who is wise and understanding among you? Who is? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. Humility is just understanding that the only reason that you're doing good stuff at all is that Jesus has called you out and he's given you his spirit. This is real wisdom. It's like, it's just knowledge applied to your life. So as I understand the word points to Jesus and he's loved me in the middle of my misses and that is actually the fuel that compels me forward That is actually the power of God moving me. I recognize that if you see anything good in me, if you see my life moving in any good direction, I started moving because of Jesus. That's where humility is. It's not about me. And so as you pass along the road and you see people who have stopped at every detour and you see people who've pulled off the road, what is your response to them is not, hey, you should get on the road with me. Check it out. Do what I do. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the man. I'm awesome. It's, hey, oh man, it's a heartbroken sadness because we understand I've been there, my friend. Come join me. Walk with me and continue doing good. But the word is humility. The thing that we must understand, if you are moving in a good way, Continue in humility. That means recognize where the power came from to get you moving in the first place and never forget it. Ananias and Sapphira forgot it. That early church was the people who had crucified Jesus. That's why I believe that it was so atrocious for them to have been saved and experienced the power of the Holy Spirit after they've crucified the person of Jesus and then they're offered mercy and forgiveness and yet they choose no. 
They witnessed. They saw Jesus. Continue in humility. If they would have just continued in awe, they would have experienced awesome life. This is what's offered to each one of us. Would you step into awe today? Or would you continue into awe today? It's available to each one of us. Love fuels you as it was first given to you. That's what it looks like to continue in humility. Now, would you come walk with me? Come walk with us. If this is brand new to you and you're stepping in for the first time or continuing the road, I want to encourage you. Would you would, here, here's the link. I want you to pull out your phone. If you're not a part of a group, we got a group of people who want to walk with you. You can't do this by yourself. What that word just said was it, you need others to actually experience the full healing that God intended. It was for the church to experience. What would have happened if Ananias and Sapphira had, had people in their life to say, hey, listen, uh, what are y'all thinking? <laughs> what are you doing? Don't go that way. Go this way with us. What would have happened? And I believe that's why that story's in there because we each need each other in this walk. And that's why I think James was written to the church to help them understand this is not a Lone Ranger kind of thing. This is, this is not a rogue kind of uh, church. We are the church and each one of us needs each other. So here's the deal. If you're like, Jay, I don't even know. Have I taken a detour? Am I going, continuing? Am I doing well? I want to ask four questions today. Four questions to help discern maybe where you are on this road. Number one, where are you going? Number one, where are you going? Where am I going? Have you ever asked that? Like, where am I going? Sometimes I stop and I go, what am I doing? Where am I headed? Like, where, where is everything in my life going to? Where am I going? And number two, what is fueling you today? The thing that fueled Jesus was, God loved the world so much that he gave. God loved, so he did. What fuels you today? Is the love of Jesus fueling you today? And then number three, who gave you the directions that you're following? I mean, like when, when you've decided to go a certain way, who gave you the directions? Who's Siri in your life? Number four, the last thing is, who is going with you? Who's going with you? My prayer is for our church at Concord West Hills is that as you're with your group today, we would be going in the same direction, in the same place, for the same reason, for the glory of our King Jesus, who's loved us so much. And if you've taken a detour today, I want to invite you, would you be honest today? Would you step in first to come to Jesus? I'm being honest. I'm, feeling, I'm getting a little bit self-centered. And I, I, I want you to actually enter into my space. And I'm coming to you. Transform my heart. Take my self-centeredness and, and give, me a heart of, give me your heart. I need you today. You need a touch from the Spirit of God. And he will do that. Upon doing that, I invite you, would you get with maybe one or two or maybe your life group leader or maybe you'd find it necessary to stand in front and go, hey, listen, it's this for me today. I've taken a detour and I don't want to walk this road any longer. Help me walk a different way. I'm in. Do that right now. And if, if, uh, if maybe nobody has shared something like that, would you talk about maybe the experience you're having as you continue to do good in humility, who's walking alongside you or who has God placed in your life to begin walking this journey? Thank you so much for being here with, you, with us, guys. I can't wait for next week and we'll continue our series in Acts. I love y'all and I'm praying that God does incredible things. Much love.